The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome back to Talk of the Tune, a Newcastle United podcast. My name is Will, and as usual, I'm joined by my good pals and co-hosts, Hodgie and Gray. Yari, lads? Hello. Hey, well. How are you doing? Living the dream, as always. Nothing but consistent. Yeah, good. Good weekend. Gray, you're down south somewhere at the minute, aren't you? Yeah, down in Wiltshire at the moment. What is a Wiltshire? What is a Wiltshire? Yeah, it's, it's next to Mordor. It's not far away. <laughs> in between Narnia <laughs> and Mordor, somewhere yeah, in the you've middle. Yeah, you've got to go through several wardrobes. Got to fight a few spiders to get here. <laughs> Shout out to our listeners in wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> which we can actually do now. We can go on Acast and we can actually see where in the country people are listening to us, which is very interesting, but also saps a lot of my life at the minute. Before we get into it, a very belated happy birthday. We should have said on the last one, but back end of Jam was Hodgie's 31st birthday, which is just sickening. <laughs> and it's very depressing to see us getting so old. So happy belated birthday, mate. Cheers, man. The reason I bring it up is because last weekend we were all back in Newcastle playing a game of Uela Pule, which was interesting, not to say the least. <laughs> we could probably spend a whole podcast just talking about the concept of Uela Pule alone, but did you have a good birthday, mate? Yeah, it was good fun. I mean, when you don't remember getting home, that's probably always a good sign <laughs> that you've had your full. <laughs> I mean, it was an early start and an early finish. Yep. The pace was frightening. Yep. Again, we won't go into too much what Uela Pule is, but it's a very, very fun drinking game. Yeah, back in Newcastle celebrating Hodgie's birthday, but Gray cried it off. What was wrong with you, Gray? I had flu. Not really an excuse, is it? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I can't defend myself in any way apart from being a pathetic man. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you said it because it saves us having to say it. Right. Lots to talk about in this episode. I mean, namely being the Bournemouth result. So, obviously, we played Bournemouth away yesterday, another board draw, unfortunately. The question that is raging at the minute on Twitter, or certainly has been for the past week, is the choice between ASM or Anthony Gordon. Interesting to see them both play yesterday. Got the West Ham result last week. How big a miss Bruno is. I mean, he's been missing for the last two games. I think you can really tell. Lots going on behind the scenes for the club. So an Amazon-style all-or-nothing series apparently is being recorded, which is very interesting and should be great. And then we've got the club buying back Strawberry Place. A little one that goes under the radar a little bit, but actually has big ramifications. And not to mention, bloody hell, the impending doom of the Carabao Cup final and the, the ticketing process. I know some people have been lucky, some people haven't been so fortunate. It'd be good to get people's thoughts on that, actually. But before we start, 
really important question. It's not my best one because I've literally been talking just so I can think of one up there. It's not ASM or Gordon, is it? <laughs> that would be a hell of a question to start with. <laughs> <laughs> There's just no point doing it now, is there? Gray. Are you coming to me first for a change? Okay. Change it up a little bit. PlayStation or Xbox? PlayStation. Wow. I mean, it sounded like there was lots going on in your head there. Quite <laughs> simple. Because <laughs> I've had both like an Xbox 360. Well, I had a PlayStation 1, which was, yeah, class. And all the games, like, you can't beat Spyro the Dragon. Oh, Spyro was great. That's, that is a great game. Yeah. That is a great game, actually, yeah. And that just brings it in PlayStation's favor. Okay, fine. I, I kind of see the consideration of the pause now. That was a good pause. And then, Hodgie, same question for you. PlayStation or Xbox? Xbox for me. I've had Xbox for, well, I've had some PlayStations as well, kind of PlayStation 1, 2, and then I think I switched over to Xbox after that. So it's always been Xbox for me. Couldn't resist the pull of Halo. If you've ever played that game before, Halo 2, I think it was one of the best ones. So yeah, for me, the old Xbox. I like how we're comparing Halo and Spyro the Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> There's different levels Welcome to the gaming podcast, a Newcastle gaming podcast. <laughs> I mean, for me, PlayStation as well, so that's two in favour of PlayStation. I recently thought I'd treat myself, so I got myself a PS5, which Ooh, I've then proceeded so to... Someone's doing well for himself. <laughs> well, you know, it's just saving up, treating yourself. Are you still on FIFA? I am indeed, yeah. <laughs> just that's like the only game I play at the minute. I got that God of War game that came with it. Got FIFA, and I've got the new Star Wars Jedi Survivor coming when it's released in March. Nice. And I'm a fucking nerd. So, <laughs> right, let's get into the show. So, obviously, yesterday we played Bournemouth away. The return of Eddie Howe to Bournemouth, the God of Bournemouth Football Club. Hodgy, I know you were watching a one-one draw away. What are your initial thoughts on the Bournemouth game? It was pretty boring and you could definitely see there was a couple of cracks in there that I think we'll need to have fixed by the time we come around to this Carabao Cup final. I think Bruno was a big miss and I think it's been shown in stats that without Bruno, we do suffer. There's been more more draws. He's never lost. So yeah, there's definitely something that just wasn't really clicking yesterday, unfortunately, which made it a kind of a hard watch at sometimes. I mean, Gray, I know you, I think you probably caught the first half, right? Or the majority of the so game? the first half, and I've seen some highlights. The first half, it was pretty dreadful, wasn't it? It was a tough one. There was no real flow to the game, I think. We just seemed to force it a lot more than we normally seem to try to do. We're usually quite patient and build from the back. I also worry a little bit that we might be becoming a little bit one-dimensional in the sense that you can almost predict the team which Eddie Howe is going to pick, which... Mm. I don't particularly like, especially for someone who's renowned for being a bit of a tactician. I said it on the last podcast that we were in need for a bit of a mix-up at the semi-final for the Carabao Cup. I just worry that we might be becoming very predictable for other teams and other managers and they know who our strong players are who like to dictate the play. Is that because of depth, do you reckon? Because obviously we've not got that squad depth to mix it up a little bit. I don't think he's got the full trust in other players. You'd say so. But then you look at some of our bench, we've got Gordon sat on the bench, like obviously Wilson missed out yesterday. I think we are short, definitely up front, but then we've got plenty of options out wide. I'm not his biggest fan, but starting someone like Murphy, giving him 50 minutes, just changes that dynamic a bit. Watching Gordon come on, he just seems to be so direct at going forwards, which is quite nice to see and refreshing. But I was hoping ASM would bring some of that and like you'd give us a bit of a different energy, a bit of a different way of attacking, but that seems to have been coached out of him a little bit, which is a bit of a shame from my point That's of view. That's interesting. You've hit the nail on the head for me. I was having that exact same conversation with Ali Fraser yesterday, watching it in the pub. 
yeah, I think we are predictable and we're easy to figure out because we always play the same starting lineup. And Hodge, to your point, there is an element of we've got a really, really strong starting 11, but we don't have a really good squad. And I agree very much we're dictated by the, the good players that we do have in the squad and we need some squad depth fairly urgently. So that's why it was good to see Gordon come in. I think in terms of changing up a little bit, although it wasn't ideal, Howe's hand was obviously forced by Joe Willock and it seems like he has a hamstring problem. Him going off meant that we had to go to a 4-2-3-1, which I thought was quite interesting. And as soon as we did that, we started looking quite dangerous and that's ultimately what led to our goal. So in terms of kind of series of events, they opened the scoring. I think their centre half got a goal from a corner. No one seemed to pick him up at all. He just popped in at the back post and scored a goal. Well, Isaac just didn't follow him. Yeah. Well, there's lots of people saying it was Isaac, but also there's a fair few people that have just missed him. Should it be Isaac's job marking a centre half from a corner? Probably not. But yeah, it was far too easy a goal to give away. They were kind of all over us for a large period of time. Willett goes off. We have to change the system. Goes that, I think it was a 4-2-3-1, which was quite interesting to see with Miggy, Gordon, and then ASM as kind of the, the front three behind Isaac. And then as soon as we did that, it changed up a little bit and things started to go in our favor and what ultimately led to the goal. Hodge, were you quite pleased to see the kind of shape change or the formation change? Pleased, is that the right word? Like it was forced onto us, so we kind of had to do it at the same time. So he's obviously had thought and he's got to have some sort of plan B in his head. But I just think in terms of what we have right now, just the options aren't aren't there. So I think it did change our dynamic a little bit and Gordon was very lively. He's obviously still eager to impress and and try and get into that first team. Always wants the ball, doesn't he? 100%. He's always asking for it. Yeah, and he's quite direct with it. Like he just likes to go and run at people and take it. A bit like kind of what ASM was doing under previous management. A bit of a renegade, just go for it. Like, So I was quite happy to see him come on and implement that. Yes, there were a fair few critics of ASM after the West Ham game. I think he had a lot to prove against Bournemouth. But again, for me, was like largely marked out of the game or a lot of what we were doing was going down the right-hand side. But then when we did go down the left-hand side, some excellent work from Maxi, like to keep that ball in and then start off the movement, I think he passes it off to Gordon. Miracle he kept that in, by the way. Passes it off to Gordon. Oh, it's incredible effort. Like, the athleticism there, and the drive to get it, is one thing he's always criticised for. Like, not having drive, or not having passion, not on the pitch, like, not working for it, but excellent work from him, and that pass into Longstaff was perfectly weighted. Longstaff fires it off, it's saved by the keeper, but then pushed into the path of Miguel Almiron, which we need to talk about as well, Mr. Hodgson. (laughs) <laughs> he finishes it off nicely to get his 10th goal of the season. And for you avid listeners, you will know that we had a bit of a bet with Monsieur Hodgson at the beginning of the season, or maybe it was after he scored a few goals, that if Miggy gets 10 goals in the league, Mr. Hodgson has to get himself a Miggy shirt after bashing him for the last few years. So, Hodge, thoughts on Miguel Almiron hitting his 10-goal mark? Let's just clear up, though. We did have a, a rejig of the bet in a uh-huh. pub back up this way and you said that you would be paying for the shirt until he hits 15 and then I have to pay for the shirt because you did a caveat on it. Was I consulted in this decision? No, Will just took it upon himself to <laughs> add to this dynamic and I snapped his hand off. <laughs> Basically what he's done, Gray, is take advantage of me when I'm pissed as a fart. You had literally had like four sips of your pint of Guinness. Exactly, so you I was pissed, pissed as a fart. <laughs> <laughs> 
was that great? What was that noise? Just, just not happy. That was a big sigh. Just not happy. Well, regardless, I may have made some dodgy deals. God knows what. Probably should have got great sign off. Whatever it is what it is. But still, Hodgie's inevitably getting himself a Miggy shirt at the end of the season. If he's not wearing a Miggy shirt at the Carabao Cup final, I'm going to be devastated. Well, he better score five goals against Liverpool then, eh? <laughs> well, maybe we can put it like in a holding fund. So we'll have to get him one for the Carabao Cup final. But then at the end of the season, we can decide where the money comes from. I don't know. You're swear, John. <laughs> I'm being very well behaved on this one. Thank you very much. Thank you anyway, very much. back to the point that you had on Miggy. Looked like he had bags of energy, obviously his, his normal kind of running style here, there and everywhere. But by God, I just wish that kid had a right foot. There were so oh, many man. opportunities where he could have whipped it in with his right, but just chose to then cut back again. And just it just doesn't keep the flow. Like it, it really jigs it a little bit. And I just don't like it at the minute. It would be great to have a solid right foot or even like a half a right foot would help that situation so much better. Half a right foot. That's an interesting yeah. concept. I like it. Mm. Great. I mean, overall, there were some fairly poor performances. Namely for me was Dan Byrne probably had the worst game he's had in a Newcastle United shirt. Were there any other kind of people that stood out as being not really at their game yesterday? I just think everyone seemed to be a little bit off. Botman, in the last few games, has made a few little sloppy passes and things like that, which seem to be uncharacteristic of him. But, I mean, he's 21, so you can kind of expect it. Yeah, I just think everyone just seemed to be a little bit off. I, I didn't see the second half, so it's quite hard for me to comment on anyone else. But teams may be starting to notice that we've got a centre-half playing at left-back. Mm. As much as I like Dan Byrne, he's a great bloke. He gives it his all. He's done incredibly well given his size and stature against some of the players he's been playing against. Yeah, he's, he's deserved all the plaudits, but he's still, for me, a centre-half. He's not a left-back. And yeah, we, we could start to get exposed down there. Hodgie, I wonder whether his kind of attacking frailties by virtue of being a centre-half limits our outlook on the left-hand side, and maybe that's why we're not seeing as much of Maxi. Yeah, it's a hard one. And I think it just, again, it just goes back to that point of like our squad depth is just not kind of good enough. Even though like, yeah, we've got Dummett, I think he is pretty much back to full match fitness, I think, after having injuries and stuff like that. But to just to drop him straight into it, I don't know if he's good enough to play this passing game. So just to have Dan Byrne, who's good with his feet, it's just he can't really go forward. So he doesn't really help no. anyone on that left-hand side. He can't do those overlapping runs to get across him because he's, he's a big bloke, you know what I mean? So... It's a tricky one. Like, I don't necessarily think we're getting found out, as some people are saying. I just think we don't really have another option, so we have to stick with what our best kind of game plan is, which has been working, don't get me wrong. But, uh, yeah, I just I think we're getting a little bit forced. Yeah, as I say, Dan Byrne yesterday, for me, was, was really, really poor. He was missing a lot of his passes. He was being burned by their player on the right-hand side. Burned? Ah, I like it. Yeah, just not a very good game for him. And I think, to that point earlier... If he had someone like a Matt Target or a Kieran Trippier alternative on the left-hand side, then Maxi would be doing a lot more mm. and we'd see a lot more from that side. But for me, everything went down the right-hand side until the goal, which actually came from Maxi on the left-hand side. So I think just by virtue of not having that attacking strength on the left-hand side, we don't see a lot coming from that side. Whereas we've got a really well-established partnership in Trippier and Almiron on the right. I think that can be seen by some of the stats which are being thrown around, especially around some of Kieran Trippier's stats, is that he's created the most chances, he's put in the most crosses. And that is because probably 70% of our play does come down the right-hand side and he's always there mm. being that fullback. He is getting close to his winger, he's making that overlapping run, he's cutting inside, like to support him, he's making those runs where 
unfortunately we are lacking that a little bit on the left hand side and like you say one really good thing to see from Maxi is actually his discipline and his work rate off the ball is so much higher than it was under previous management it's just a bit of a shame that he's lost that spark going forwards a little bit like you say maybe getting an accomplished left back or a out and out left back in might give him that bit more freedom to do that I think so that's an area we probably need to look at in the summer is that left hand side particularly left back Budgie how much of a miss has Bruno been over the last couple of games obviously got himself sent off against Southampton has missed West Ham where we drew 1-1 has missed Bournemouth where we drew 1-1 and will miss Liverpool on Saturday which is going to be quite a difficult game at home how much of a miss has Bruno been Massive. His work rate and just the ability of him to get out of sticky situations and mm. allow us to break has really been fantastic to watch. Like, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong at the same time, like when he's doing these little turns and little dink balls and stuff, my heart is in my mouth and I'm like, oh, Christ, he's going to let something slip here and it's going to be an easy <laughs> chance for them. But then he manages to, just to come out with the ball and it's an exciting thing. And I think players get a lot of confidence with having him there as well. Liverpool's going to be a very hard game without Bruno, but he is going to be back for the final and he will go straight into the team. Like There will be no if, but so maybe it's about that and he will help improve us and give us a chance in that game. Well, I might have no choice at this rate. The rate that we're picking up injuries, unfortunately. Yes, we really miss him and his drive going forward. And I think him and Gordon in particular are kind of cut from the same cloth in that they pick the ball up, they want to be on the ball and they want to move it forward. Whereas... Willock, not so much. Longstaff runs his absolute socks off, but he doesn't have that same kind of skill, I would say, that he can pick the ball up and get past people, makes good runs and he gets into good positions, Longstaff, but there's just something missing a little bit for me. There's no flair with Longstaff, is there? No, there's really not. He just grinds it out, doesn't he? There's lots of good sides to Longstaff, but they need to be complemented by someone like Bruno. I thought Joe Linton had a really good game yesterday, by the way. Probably one of our better players. His ability to break up the opposition play, legs, man, his legs are so long. But also, by virtue of the way he plays and the way he wins the ball and he tries to break up the play, he's picked up a yellow card, which now leaves him on nine for the season. So we're going to have to be incredibly careful against Liverpool that Joe Linton doesn't pick up a yellow card because then I think that would mean he would miss the cup final. Yeah, I think he would, yeah. So we're in a bit of a precarious position at the minute. Obviously, Miggy went off yesterday. So it looked like someone stood on his hand. Willock pulled up with a hamstring. And then Wilson obviously missed the game with a knock. That's our last three games have been draws. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So we mentioned the cup final there. Obviously, a lot of fuss going on behind the scenes at the minute with getting tickets. Um, there's about 47 different periods of, of buying tickets for the cup final, none of which I qualify for i think even the ballot you have to have gone to a game or something or you've got to have been a member which i think is quite simple to sign up or whatever but it just seems like the whole process is incredibly convoluted so i got a bit more of a breakdown of it because i wasn't understanding it yeah go on hodge apparently each period of things that people could be in so like have to have 25 points blah 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 all the way Uh down it was say a thousand tickets can only be purchased at that point then period two had only a thousand tickets it was all segmented. So it was right. trying to give as many people as a chance across the whole board. So even period six and seven will have a certain allocation where only they can get in. But it was given the chance to the people to be like, look, you might not have a season ticket, you might not have any points, but good luck to you trying to get in. There'll be like 20,000 people trying to get in that last kind of band, but it was given some people a chance. Whereas Man United 
on their allocation, they just did full ballot. They went, okay, no matter what you've got points-wise, you've been to one game or you've been to a 1,000 games, you've all got in one pot and you've just got to get online first. And objectively speaking, Hodge, which do you think is the better approach? I think you should reward people for going to away games and going to Carabao Cup, and I think you should probably split it with two periods and have it open to those guys in period one who have actually been at the club and supported it, but then at the same time give some people a chance to go who have supported for years, maybe don't live anywhere near Newcastle. Like in London. Like in London. Yeah, yeah, for example. Yeah, yeah. So I think yeah. we should have just done like two two ballots. This is one's for everyone who has ever had a ticket. Great, you get to go first. If you missed it, well you've got a second chance, but it also gives a chance to for everyone else. So I think that's how they should have done it really. Ray, you'll notice I haven't brought you in on this. It's because I'm in- incredibly bitter about the fact that you have a ticket and I don't. So <laughs> I just don't really want to hear from you anymore on this. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I'm joking. Obviously, you've been through the process, Gray, and you, you've managed to secure yourself a ticket, which is incredibly exciting for you. What are your thoughts on the approach? I get everyone's kind of argument. But for me, I think the club are trying to do something quite sensitive and you're going to have a huge number of people who have followed the club through literally thick and thin who are now being rewarded for their patience, their determination Mm. over the last 10 years by being able to go and support their team in the cup final. And that is hugely important at the moment because you don't want to upset your loyal fan base. And a lot of clubs have done that previously and it just destroys the atmosphere in stadiums and the owners clearly don't want that. We are known as being one of the most passionate fan bases, one of the loudest fan bases out there. And we want to maintain that. That is a big sell factor to players coming into the club. And if all of a sudden we've got people who are happy to pay £200 for a ticket Yes, it'll bring more money into the club, but it just sucks out that atmosphere and it won't be good for the club, it won't be good for the city. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app, at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. I'm actually quite pleased with the way they've done it. Like you say, they've given everyone a chance. Easy to say with a ticket. I don't know it is, but for this cup especially, because it's the first cup final we've been in since 98. Yeah. So... 25 years and yeah i think you've got to reward some loyalty there and i know it's hugely frustrating for you guys but will why are you not a member of our football club <laughs> i think i am actually i had to think back there and i was like i've definitely signed up and, and i am a member actually on on reflection i certainly hope so yeah the whole process has just made me like not to sound dramatic but a bit anxious because as soon as we got that southampton result it was like being resigned to the fact you weren't going to get a ticket because getting tickets even to the semi-finals 
and I know securing tickets for even like away Premier League games is incredibly difficult as a Newcastle United fan because we've got such a passionate fan base and there's so many stipulations and we like to reward loyalty, etc. But I just don't know how you're supposed to get yourself on that ladder. Like, how do you start? Like, how do you build that up? Because surely the net level of loyalty points they're looking at for this one, that's years and years and years and years of going to away games and building up loyalty points. That is my one issue with the loyalty points. They're basically a closed house now. If you, ha- if you have loyalty points, you can get more loyalty points. But in order to get loyalty points, you need loyalty points. So actually, it's practically impossible to get on that so ladder. So for me and Hoji, if we were going to get season tickets, we'd be looking, say, for example, we're in a cup final later down the line. I mean, it's going to be years until we're in a position to be able to do that ourselves because we're coming from a standing start, like just by virtue of me living in London. And I could buy a season ticket and I could let one of you go like every match and just build up the loyalty points. But that's not how the loyalty points work. Loyalty points are away, away points. Yeah. But to be able to get away tickets, you need to be a season ticket holder, really. You don't need to have a season ticket. You need loyalty points. The way that it's happened in the past is like people have kept them and basically been like, oh, you can use my ticket. I'll buy the ticket and give it to you so you can go to the away game. And it's been very inside growth. Whereas mm. like people go, oh, like, oh, I want to go and get a ticket. Oh, well, you'd go, oh, well, you can have mine. I'll buy it for you because I'm already halfway there. And I'll go, all right, great. I don't get any benefit and you get all the benefit. So that's basically mm. how it's been. I think with these loyalty points, it should be based on way wider things. Like if everyone's got a membership number, or if you like, you go then to the club shop, you buy a shirt, that's 10 loyalty points or something like that. That's a good show. If you're actually putting money into the club, you should get rewarded that. Buying a pint, that's a point in the stadium, rather than just going, well done, you went to an away game, there's a point for you. Well, I can't actually go to an away game, that's not mm-hmm. good for me, but I can go in the online store, buy a scarf, buy a hat, buy a shirt something that supports the club as well then that should be rewarded you know what i mean i quite like that that's good idea. although the pint idea is a terrible idea because it's hard enough to get a pint at half time anyway if everyone's now <laughs> scanning multi cards bloody hell we'd be there to full time yeah yeah so yeah it's, it's a difficult one I'm, again i'm resigned to the fact that i won't be going to the final but hodgy i know you're coming down yep. to london obviously we've got a few boys down here i've actually been scouring twitter so I told you I went to the Dolphin a few weeks ago to watch the, the semi-final before I was rudely cut off by Gray. Basically, that's like the home or the center of the universe for the Newcastle United Supporters Club in London. So I started following them on Twitter. And I think they, they've put on a really helpful and useful guide for people going down that don't have tickets for all the pubs near the stadium that you can watch the match and wider areas. I think they've also organized something called the Geordie Dome which is where they have organized like a 400 person venue to watch the match with like big screens, like a DJ in there, drinks, everything, which sounds like a really cool idea. So I think the ballot or the the tickets are opening up on Monday morning for that Hodge. So we're going to have to be absolutely on the case for those to see if we can secure some tickets and get into that. But regardless, are you keen to go somewhere like Trafalgar Square, Hodgie? Or do you think that's, uh, (laughs) I mean, is that just going to be absolute carnage? Oh, it's going to be absolutely mental, isn't it? Like, I'd, uh, to be honest, like, I'm I'm quite happy just to go with the flow as long as I can actually get somewhere in enough time to get a pint, sit down, and be prepared to watch the game from the first second. That's kind of good for me. Like, I think there will be good enough atmosphere kicking about in some bars and stuff as long as we can find some supporters to hang out alongside with as well. Although the Jordan Dome will be really good fun. Yeah, there's two sides to it. There's being comfortable, being able to actually see the match and and get a pint whenever you want to get a pint or getting wrapped up in the absolute chaos of thousands of Geordies like cramming at the bar, coming down to London and just causing trouble. I mean, Gray, who are you going with? 
there's so many of us going. So I'm annoyingly going to be sat on my own. We well, I say on my own, trying to buy fifty thousand Geordies. Hopefully, I'll probably stick out like a sore thumb though if we're not a face accent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so my dad's going, stepdad's going, a few friends are making the trip and have got tickets. But really hopeful that if you guys do go to the Geordie Dome or wherever you go, that we will certainly be having a few beers before and several after either celebrating or commiserating. Indeed. Have you boys got your uh, your accommodation sorted or is my floor just going to be covered in large Geordie men? I'm staying at uh, Monsieur Cunningham's. He's away, isn't he? He is away, yes. Yeah. So I need so to get his key off him before he goes. <laughs> well, worst case, I know he doesn't listen to this, but worst case, I've got a key to his flat, so uh, <laughs> you can just have that. <laughs> Don't tell him. In. Uh, I'll take his spare bed then. Absolutely not. You, you're lucky enough to get your bloody ticket. Are you guys going to drive down or are you going to get trains? I've heard the trains are also an absolute nightmare. I'm driving. Rumours of strikes, aren't they? We're talking about strikes. I think that's probably the safest bet, isn't it? Anyway, we should probably move on. We'll see how it goes. I mean, the ballots are still open. So let's see, Hodge, if we can chuck a cheeky ballot in there, see if we get lucky, but uh, all eyes on the final now. One thing I mentioned before, which has kind of been sparking furious debate on Twitter, is the Anthony Gordon versus ASM debate. And a lot of that was fueled by ASM probably not having his best game against West Ham last week, not being able to do very much, largely being a bit of a missing figure. And then Gordon coming on and having a very bright debut twenty or 21 minutes, where he looked really sharp and was unlucky not to get an assist on his debut. Gray, I mean, we saw both the players play yesterday, ASM and Gordon, obviously through injury to Willock. Where's your head at on that kind of left-hand side and who should be starting? Yeah, it's a tricky one because if you look at what Howe's been playing, it's not necessarily a threat between Gordon or ASM. It's Joe Linton into the mix as well, or even Willock because they transition quite well. But if we're going to go between the two, if we had ASM of past, then I think he deserves his opportunity. But I've really enjoyed the level of energy and drive which Gordon has brought. He's obviously desperate to make a huge impact and a lot of fans have been slagging him off and saying, oh, he's not the right man for the team. His attitude's not what we want. But actually, he's winning everyone over at the moment, the way he's playing. And that's great to see. And yeah, I'd have to go Gordon on current form. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I mean, Hodgie, what are your thoughts on the debate? Yeah, so this was raised in the pub that I was in yesterday as well. Um, Quite a popular topic, like you say. And I think everybody who I was sitting with were basically just saying, look, Gordon needs this chance. He's got energy. He's got the willingness to impress. Whereas ASM's been here, he probably thinks he's a bit safe. And quite a lot of people were just saying, "Look, like I think it's probably time that we not necessarily touted ASM out, but if we got offers of thirty-five north for him, then he's probably primed to go because we could probably get a really good player in who defends a bit more mm. and is a bit more consistent." Kind of agree with it. Out of interest, yep. do you know what those people were saying about Gordon before we signed him? Were they Gordon fans or were they not so keen on him? A bit of a mixture, actually. There was some that were saying, oh, like it was great to see him be the shining light in a bit of a poor setup at Everton. And then at the same time, on the other end, they were like, don't want him, his attitude stinks, without actually like, having much of a knowledge on what he's like. So a big, big mix. It's, it's interesting. I think Gordon was in a very, very bad place at Everton. I mean, the club is just 
in a shocking place. The fans were getting on his back at the same time, like supporting Frank Lampard and like they're chasing him down in his car. He's one of their own. And they've basically, with pitchforks and flaming torches, forced him out of the club or, you know, made it very easy for him to leave his boyhood club. Mm. And I'm hoping now we have a great environment in which he can really thrive and we can see the best out of him. I think he's got all the tools, as I said, for Eddie Howe to, to make him a really, really good player. And I think we're seeing bits of that now. I mean, we've got to remember as well, if people like Bruno, when they came in, Eddie Howe is a big fan of kind of easing people in, like not yeah. just starting them off the bus, like easing them in few sub appearances and then we'll probably see him start a few games time. Oh, did you have another point on that before we move yeah, on? Yeah, just I think it shows real good character that even though he was getting all this kind of stick, abuse and stick and whatever, he actually was turning up to perform every time. He didn't look demotivated. He was always trying to give his best for the club that was basically hating on him. So if there's anything to take away, there's that. Yeah. You're with us now, Anthony. We'll look after you, lad. Don't worry. One hilarious thing, I sent you both that tweet yesterday, but you know, on Maxi's character, like some lad put it on Twitter, Kieran Dyer, a man who fought his own teammate during a match, <laughs> questions whether St. Maximan is a team player. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was absolutely perfect. I, I mean, love that, it's gold. The sky yesterday was absolutely dreadful. It was fucking Graham <sighs> Souness and Kieran Dyer. I mean, that is a Dyer lineup. Mm. Not a big fan of that. Get Shea given on. He's uh, objective, if not uh, totally biased. But, but yeah, an interesting one. It'd be interesting to see who starts against Liverpool. Put a few cats amongst the pigeons, having an Everton player start against Liverpool. I'm all about that. All about that life. Just before we wrap up, I think mentioned at the start of the episode, but a few things going on behind the scenes that are quite interesting, but also quite significant. One, I think Keith Downey mentioned it on the True Faith podcast that Amazon are currently recording behind the scenes, like a all or nothing style show. I think it's like a four episode show following the goings on at Newcastle United, which I think would be really, really interesting to see. I find those things interesting when they're other clubs. So I can only imagine how interesting it's going to be with ours. I don't know when that's going to be released, but that's really interesting. I look forward to watching that. But the really exciting one I've seen on the news was that the club have bought back Strawberry Place which Mike Ashley apparently sold for something like 9 million quid a few years ago. Don't know why the fuck he did that, but really positive signs to see them investing in the local area and buying that land. I know there's plans for the short term, but the longer term plans of extending the stadium out. Do you think that's what the club are thinking? It makes sense because where the stadium currently sits in its current orientation is the only way they could extend the stadium is by building out over Strawberry Place. Hmm. But there is lots of about demolishing St. James's and then changing the orientation of the pitch 20 degrees, which would allow them to build a much bigger stadium. But I mean, that's all just a bit of a pipe dream, I think, because there's no way we'd be going to play at the Stadium of Light for three years. <laughs> Have you been speaking to Sooty again? Is this one of his mad musings? No, there's, there's all sorts of blog posts and things like that. Demolish a stadium to change the orientation by 20 degrees. Yeah, so if you think about St. James's Park layout, you've got the big car park behind. Uh-huh. So if you twist the pitch like 20 degrees towards the car park and move it about 50 yards towards Lees's Park, right. you've got a much bigger building space. If we wanted to keep an inner city stadium, that is one option, albeit probably the most expensive and most disruptive to not only the city, but the club itself. 
where would we play? Like, really, like you say, you can't go to Stadium of Shite, can you? <laughs> go Gateshead. Gateshead Stadium. <laughs> Gateshead. <laughs> oh, cram many people in as you can. Westgate Road Community College. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, by the way, how long has St. James's Metro Station been closed? Oh, it's been closed since we saw the land. Been closed for years. I was going to so. say, yeah, mad. I didn't realise. Because they're going to build a hotel there. They were, weren't they? Yeah, but they've already built up all this bloody student accommodation around there, haven't they? But Hodge, I think the short-term plans for that piece of land are to build like a fan zone, is what yeah. I've heard. I mean, what sort of things would you personally like to see? I mean, that would be pretty cool, but I think it would be a bit hard on the pubs around there that need that business, and you're taking that business away from local people, which is interesting, because I think that obviously it would be like a stack-style place, and it would be mega, That's what mega seen. busy, but like... Got to think about all like the Trent and stuff. How many people would leave the Trent to go there, or like any other the other pubs that are around? I think the it strawberry. would be. Yeah, you could also argue that it's going to bring more people to the city, so those pubs could, in theory, benefit from it. So, say you've got two thousand people who don't normally go to a match, who would be sat at home or sat in a pub in Gosforth or Jesmond, coming into the city. Then, after the match is over, it will be dispersing to the strawberry, to the Trent, to those local pubs, those local bars. So it could bring more footfall to those areas, but also you can see that during the match is probably going to reduce the number of people, but there'll still be locals who will go to those pubs, I imagine. Yeah. As long as they can like get a license to show the game live, even if it's In not on Sky or BT. Yeah. Because like, I don't know how it would work. Like it's, if it's owned by the club, are the club allowed to advertise their own match? Uh, potentially, actually. Because it would have to be NUFC TV, I suppose, that would do it. Because mm-hmm. like if, if we were playing a three o'clock kickoff, it's not visible anywhere else in the UK, like on Sky or BT. So they're going to have to be able to show it. And if it's going to be somewhere where people can actually go and watch a match, then it'll be a very busy place. Yeah. Unless it's just for fans before and after the game. I mean, that's probably going to be their focus, isn't it? Like, I think you, you mentioned it there, Hodge, something like a stack would go down or like a box park like we've got down here mm. in London town. That would be perfect. I mean, more of like a food focus kind of place with a few bars and whatnot. Yeah. But interesting. It's exciting to see what they do with the with the space. But I think the inevitable longer term plan is to expand the stadium out and add some more seats. Maybe by then we might have a chance of getting a ticket. Who knows? <laughs> interesting though. Lots going on. Just before we wrap up, you will have seen on the news there's terrible earthquakes going on in Turkey and Syria. And I think the news is that Christian Atsu is, is still missing. So thoughts go out to him and all of the sufferers and, and victims of, of that earthquake. And on that cheery note, we should probably wrap up. We should probably do the social plug now, shouldn't I, Hodge? Did it at the start, but oh well. Um, yes you can find us on all major podcasting platforms so apple Podcasts, spotify acast etc etc and you can find us on twitter at t-o-t-t podcast on instagram at t-o-t-t underscore podcast facebook by searching for talk of the tune podcast and hodgy i can't remember what the youtube is Uh, just search for talk of the tune podcast we should remember that. That is just our name. That's great. Um, we really appreciate if you could give us a follow and a five-star review if you're feeling super generous. But that should do it for this week, unless anyone has anything to add. So just please tell your friends if you like the show as well. Give us a listen. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Uh, give us a follow. Really appreciate it. And tell me, Ma, we're going to Wembley. <laughs> we're we're, we're off. Off. Well, you guys might be near Wembley. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. Bastard. Sorry. Wow. Bastard. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
Mm, what okay. has been a beautiful friendship is now <laughs> <laughs> beautiful questionable anyway right that'll do for this week thanks very much for listening and we will see you in the next one bye 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 the Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club. Because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.